It is Sunday, September 19th, 2010. When you hear the tone, it will be time to start the show. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Live on a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TAR. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, we're talking about a Disney classic, an upcoming Disney classic, and I finally get the premiere of Fishing in the Discount Bin. It's episode 4.02, The Daily Grind. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 Natar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. And this is it. We are here. Can I maintain this daily grind of episode two with my new, bigger, longer format? Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? So uh, let's get going here with what was going on this past week. You know, something happened this past week. I was completely stunned that it was under my radar. Um, as you probably know, my all-time favorite Disney animated film is The Black cauldron it is just so awesome and uh, actually back on tuesday disney actually released a brand new 25th anniversary edition dvd of the black cauldron yeah how awesome is that i'm still debating whether i want to actually go out and pick it up though uh the only new features that are on this dvd compared to the previous dvd is they added a long lost deleted scene and they threw in an interactive game oh and if you care about the technical details it's finally an anamorphic widescreen and sadly though i was looking at it uh, the long lost deleted scene is not the infamous long lost deleted scene did i ever tell you about this deleted scene from the black cauldron okay the black cauldron is infamous in the annals of disney history because it was their first attempt at doing a more adult animated film and as part of that the Horned King, the villain in the Black Cauldron, he comes up with his army of Cauldron Born. You know, your basic run-of-the-mill undead army. So in the most famous deleted scene, it's near the end of the film, the Horned King has risen from the dead, his Cauldron Born, and they go off on their rampage. One of the Cauldron Born runs into one of the Horn King's regular living warriors. And what happens is the Cauldron Born swarm this warrior, and here's where the deleted scene begins. The regular warrior gets encased in this green mist. We see the green mist dissolve the flesh from his bones, and then he emerges from the green mist as one of the Cauldron Born. Yes, in a Disney movie, we saw a man's flesh get burned from his bones. It was deleted from the film because, obviously, Disney management said, What the? This is a Disney film! You can't put that in a Disney film! 
and so it was cut and lost to the ages. Uh, but still, you know, the Black Cauldron, it really is a, mi a monument, a milestone in Disney history because it was one of their first attempts to really break out of the mold and try something new, and they had to be applauded for that. In fact, you know what? Going back into my own personal history now, I'm really glad I was able to go to Tokyo Disneyland when I still could, because Tokyo Disneyland actually had the only Black Cauldron ride in existence, and I actually got to see an animatronic Horned King and animatronic zombies at Disneyland. Black Cauldron, so awesome. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you rent it this weekend. Let's do Too Hot for Radio now. Too Hot for Radio. Time for the first of my regular features, Too Hot for Radio, where I share all the new stories of a sexual nature that I just find utterly fascinating. First up, out of England, a new study shows that most strippers are actually well-educated and satisfied with their jobs. We've all seen that sitcom staple where we have the hot young college student who decides to become a stripper to work her way through college. Well, it turns out 20% of strippers are actually doing that. They're doing that to earn money for college. Specifically, 14% are doing it to earn their bachelor's, and 6% are doing it to pay for grad school. I have a friend going through grad school. She says it's pretty pricey, so I could see why they do that. But on top of that, at least one quarter of strippers already have some kind of post-secondary education. And apparently they decided to strip because they found it better than tending bar, being a waitress, or all the other minimum wage shit jobs we have to suffer through when we first graduate from college. And you know what? I can hardly blame them. Apparently, over in England, this study comes out of the UK after all, the average stripper makes $380 in tips per night, and the minimum annual salary is $40,000 a year. Wow, that is literally twice what I make. If I had the boobs for it, I would be a stripper, but you know, the way I hit the cheeseburgers, I'll probably have the boobs for it soon enough. Now out of the USA here, we have a new study that uh, really makes women seem like foul temptresses. Uh, you know, a new study says that 64% of women in Generation Y would release a sex tape if they thought it would be beneficial to their careers. Uh, let me look this up on uh, Wikipedia. I'm always confused as to what Generation Y is. Wikipedia. In Canada, Generation Y is generally described as those born between 1976 and 1999. I was born in 77, so hey, hey, that's my generation. Pretty much anyone 35 and under would release a sex tape if they thought it would advance their careers. Well, no wonder. Look at how many reality TV stars now have seemed to have factored a sex tape into part of their marketing strategy. But that's not all. This entire study really makes women seem evil. Apparently, 45% of women would sleep with their college professor to get a better grade, and 36% of women would blackmail their boss to get ahead. So there you go. Women! They're a whole lot of trouble, but from what I understand, they are 100% fully worth it. All I'm saying is, just make sure you keep that sex tape under lock and key. And that's it. That's Too Hot for Radio. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62. The Targ. We are young. We run free. Stay up late. We don't sleep. Got our friends. Got the night. We'll be alright. Tonight you won't be by yourself. Self. 
Travi McCoy, Feel All Right, here on U62 The Targ. Saw that music video on Much Music and I'm like, wow, that's a cool song. So I got that song. But yes, uh, welcome back to this week's episode of The Targ. And since we were talking about The Black Cauldron and Disney films a little earlier in the show, uh, why not take a minute now to, like, to uh, take a look at the trailer for Disney's next animated film. Coming out this November, it's called Tangled. Here's a clip from the trailer. I could get used to a view like this. Yep. I'm used to it. Guys, I want a castle. Ah, the kingdom. It is beautiful. Clapping, dancing, general merrymaking. Not a care in the world. At least for most folks. See that handsome fellow running for his life? That is me. Now, based on that clip from the trailer, were you able to figure out that this film is actually a Disney retelling of Rapunzel? It is. See, a lot of Disney fans are under the belief that Disney is really screwing up the marketing for Tangled. Here's why. Originally, it was going to be the Disney retelling of Rapunzel. As we all know, Disney princesses, it's the bread and butter of Disney's animated films. So, of course, they were bound to get to Rapunzel eventually, right? So last year, Disney released The Princess and the Frog. Even though it was a fantastic film, and the fact that uh, it actually was a huge box office hit, it actually failed to meet Disney's expectations. Disney felt it underperformed. So now the knee-jerk reaction is, we gotta change up the marketing for Tangled. Because, you know, little boys aren't gonna... gonna Little boys aren't going to want to go see animated films about princesses and epic romances and stuff like that. So they changed the name from Rapunzel to Tangled, and now all of their marketing is focusing more on the prince and his dashing adventures and all that. Which, well, seems kind of foolish. Uh, even you go looking online, even Disney insiders think it's kind of a crazy idea to be doing that because you're trying to sucker little boys into going to see, well, Rapunzel. Uh, but anyways, Rapunzel has had a long and storied history, though, in order to get to the big screen. For at least 10 years, Disney has been working on this film. It's gone through multiple iterations. Um, originally, it was going to be a flat-out Shrek ripoff called Rapunzel Unbraided. Uh, then it was going to be a conventional retelling of Rapunzel. Uh, then it was going to be traditional 2D animation. Then it was going to be 3D CGI animation. It is computer animated, by the way, in case you weren't able to tell that from the clip. And, um, yeah, you put all that into a blender after 10 years of committee thinking, and the end result tangled comes out this November. So it might be worth a look-see to see if all that messing with it over the past 10 years produced something awesome. Let's do what's wrong with society, shall we? What's wrong with society? I'm literally angry with rage. Time for what's wrong with society, my weekly angry rant because, you know, I get angry. So you want to know what's wrong with society this week? Cars. This is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. My little old Dodge Neon, Bessie Lou, I call her. She's on her last legs. When the engine started making this funny smell, I took it to the mechanic, and they said that she'd need $5,000 in repairs. And they said that, sadly, they refused to do $5,000 in repairs because she's 15 years old and it's just cheaper and easier to get a new one. And thus, I am on a quest. 
Already I'm worried about how much long old Bessie Lou has in her, and more importantly, how much something new is going to cost. Let me let you on a little secret right now, okay? The money in radio sucks. Sitting on your butt and talking for a living, surprisingly, doesn't pay much. As a colleague recently stated on Facebook, we don't get into radio to become rich and famous, just famous. There's been an inordinate amount of woe in my life as of late, and it's all because of old Bessie Lou. And it's not just her. We see on the news every night how our greenhouse gases are caused by our engines, causing all that nasty greenhouse effect and all that. The roads that crisscross our world and bring us closer together are an ever-present threat to bears and wildlife as you go through the national parks. Cars are just bad. So how do we fix society this week? Easy. Walk, stupid. We kill two birds with one stone there. By walking around, we don't use cars anymore. We don't need any of that nasty oil. And we get our exercise, battling that whole nasty obesity thing that they tell us is a real big problem right now. And if you gotta go on a longer trip, well, why not embrace some of that glorious public transportation? One thing I really miss about living in a big city is buses, subways, streetcars, the town bicycle by the name of Erica, and such forth. So come on, government of Alberta, build that high-speed rail link between Edmonton and Calgary. So there you go, leave the car in the garage, go for a walk, and that's how you fix society. And that, my friends, is what's wrong with society this week. What's Wrong with Society, brought to you by new urine-flavored cornflakes. Who feed in your cornflakes? The good folks at Kellogg's. Mark Kappas, Lord of the Overworld, Master of the Twelve Galaxies. Where do you pick that stuff up? I never see you read. Mark Kappas. It's like he channels dead crazy people. U62, the Tar. Think it's a cry for help?
to think. Nouvelle Vague, Dancing With Myself, here on U62 The Targ. Welcome back, Mark Camp is here with you. You might recognize that song as being the one from the Joe commercials. Joe, of course, being uh, the Superstore brand of clothing. I've often said that given my day job, it's kind of sad that I still only discover new music through TV commercials. Anyway, last week I never got to premiere uh, Fishing in the Discount Bin, so let's do the fully produced Fishing in the Discount Bin that I was never able to share with you last week. Fishing in the discount bin. So here's another one of my new features, fishing in the discount bin. See, as many of you know, I have no social life and wind up spending my Friday nights at home alone watching a DVD on TV. Ahem. But that's okay. A friend of mine once remarked, hey, since you watch so many DVDs, I'd just love to hear you go on a rant about why you love that movie so much. So I've decided to do that here in the show as a regular feature, and thus, Fishing in the Discount Bin was born. And since this is the first time we're doing this, I see no better reason than to start, no better film to start with, than my absolute favorite film, The Iron Giant. And no, I've got so many special memories about The Iron Giant. It was the first movie that I sought out and watched purely because I read so many good things about it on the internet. One website after another was going, Oh my god, this movie is so awesome, it's so amazing, I can't believe Warner Brothers is totally screwing up with the advertising campaign, you gotta go see it! As a perfect example of how the advertising campaign was screwed up, one of the bonus features on the DVD is actually a making of the Iron Giant TV special that was never shown on TV. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Uh, last year, they did this special 10th anniversary screening for it, and the film's director, Brad Bird, was on hand. When he was asked about the screwed-up marketing campaign, Brad Bird actually stood up and blamed himself. Uh, said Brad Bird, you know, the marketing guys came to him, and the marketing guys said, you know what, we love this film, but it's so different from all the other animated films out there that uh, the marketing campaign we had planned, it's not going to work. Can we push it back about six months or so so we can come up with a new advertising campaign to sell this? And Brad Bird was all like, No! Fuck you, you fucking suits! I've been working on this film for three years and you're telling me you couldn't figure out how to sell it in three years? Go fuck yourselves! It's coming out on time! And that kind of goes off into another sidebar where as much as I love the films of Brad Bird, I'm starting to learn that he really has a short temper. Uh, there was another incident where he was at like the San Diego Comic-Con or one of these things and uh, someone wanted to get their Incredibles DVD signed by Brad Bird and apparently Brad Bird flew off the handle and tied into this guy because the DVD was not the widescreen edition so Mr. Bird took it upon himself to explain to this guy 
why widescreen is better. But I really went off topic right now. I'm talking about the Iron Giant and why I love it so much. I'll never forget when I first saw the Iron Giant. You know, it was 11 years ago. I was fresh out of college. My sister had just come back from backpacking across Europe. That's what she did to celebrate getting out of high school. Disney's big animated blockbuster that summer was Tarzan. And because I'd done this thing called double feature days where I would see two movies in a day, I said to my sister, hey, let's go see Tarzan and the Iron Giant in one day. We did that, and she thoroughly agreed with me that The Iron Giant was a better film. I mean, we were both crying at the end of The Iron Giant, and Tarzan, we were just like, yeah, it's another Disney film. As soon as I got home, I fired up my old computer, and I emailed everyone I knew, you must see this movie, it is so awesome. And even as much as one year later, my friends were emailing back going, you know what, I finally rented it last night because you said it was so awesome. And you are right, it is so awesome. And uh, what more can I say about it that I haven't blogged about in the past? I love it when my animated films give me something different. A little moment where I go, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. You know, there's that scene in the beginning where Dean says, I'd like to apologize in advance for what I'm about to do, and then unzips his pants to let a squirrel out. That is always the textbook moment I use. Or, you know what, another one that came to me as I was watching the movie was I was to get this ready. There's the scene where uh, Hogarth gets the giant's hand out of the bathroom, and in order to cover, he drops his pants, sits on the toilet, and makes like he's having trouble on the toilet. His mom and uh, the government agent, Kent, they come in. He gets all embarrassed. Mom, get out! I'm doing something in here! And then at the end of the scene, the character Kent says, This is why it's so important to chew your food. And the character of Annie, the look she gives Kent, this wonderfully animated look of disgust, it is just incredibly awesome. But yeah, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but you know the ending when the giant whispers, Superman, and then plows into the uh, nuclear missile? I always tear up a little. And that's why I think the Iron Giant is so awesome. And uh, yeah, that's Fishing in the Discount Bin. Fishing in the Discount Bin, brought to you by RentMoviesOnline.com. Is going down to the video store too much social interaction for you? RentMoviesOnline.com. So there you go. That is Fishing in the Discount Bin, uh, something I really hope to uh, really do on every episode here. You know, like I've confided in a few friends, Fishing in the Discount Bin actually grew out of an idea I have for a spin-off podcast I want to do. Essentially, I want to do a second podcast where I watch and review each and every Pokemon movie. In fact, I was going to do that back in August during my hiatus from this regular podcast, but uh, that plan was torn asunder because Pokemon 12 was supposed to come out on DVD back in the spring, and according to Wikipedia, it should now be coming out in November. So there's still a chance that I might be able to do that, and I will be launching my second podcast where I review every Pokemon film. Don't have a name for that yet, but it might just come to fruition. But still, good afternoon. Mark Cap is here with you, and we're coming near to the end of this week's episode of The Targ. Again, the second episode of this new, longer, bigger, uncut format. And you know, as always, I love hearing your feedback about whether you like this new format, what new things I should do, what things I should change. You know, a couple of comments I got, you know, 
from my old friend Kenton. Uh, he said that he'd like to hear more music in the podcast, and maybe I should even do some kind of pop culture report where I geek out over my favorite TV shows and movies and just miscellaneous moments in pop culture over the past week. And you know what? That idea does have merit because I will admit, with all the entertainment stuff I do on this show, Too Hot for Radio is already starting to sound a little out of place. So maybe something like that would replace Too Hot for Radio. Or, you know, and another one from my friend Joe. after uh, listening to the first episode, she says that... Um, It's quite obvious I'm trying a whole lot of new things right now, and it's still kind of disorganized. And you know what, Joe? You are 100% absolutely correct with that. Doing the podcast like this, uh, this is a grand experiment for me. And it's just, you know, got to try something new every once in a while just to see if it sticks. The crazy thing is I don't know why I'm acting like I'm addressing an audience of hundreds right now. Because, let's be honest, Kenton, Joe... You are pretty much the only two listeners to this podcast, okay? And uh, you know what? I just want to take a minute to say uh, thank you to you guys because um, ever since I wanted to do this radio thing, well, you guys have been there from the very beginning and you've been incredibly supportive of me ever since. And um, you guys are awesome and I don't think I say that enough. So uh, once again, thank you very much for everything that you have done for me in my life. Okay, I just had an emotional moment there. Uh, but yeah, as always, uh, I welcome your feedback on the show. If there's anything more, just keep telling me what you think of this new format. Send your comments to mark at chaosinabox.com. And don't forget the other corners of my online empire. You can follow me on Twitter, chaosinabox.com slash Twitter. Nope, twitter.com slash chaosinabox. I got that backwards. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash chaosinabox. And as always, the main hub for it is chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production.